So in climate action, HP has three pillars that are measurable and material for us. And the first is carbon emissions, the second is forest, and the third is circularity. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone, to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Fiella. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please leave us a review on your preferred podcast player. Today, we're sharing a very unique keynote from our recent Renewable Energy Forum with Mary Curtis, the Global Head of Energy and Sustainability at HP, titled Reflections from an Industry Leader. As Mary Curtis is moving on to her broader role focused on product sustainability at HP, we asked her to reflect on key lessons learned during her tenure as an energy and sustainability senior leader at HP, as well as her more than 20 years of related industry experience. Thus far, she's had an amazing career, and we're thankful for the time she took to share her experiences with us. Here's Mary Curtis. All right. Like John said, my role has just recently changed at HP. I am moving out of the renewable energy uh, work, handing over the reins to Jacob Sanchez, and moving to lead our circularity practice for our laptops and hardware programs. So But I'm happy to share some learnings here today. I'm sure I'm not going to educate any of you on the technical side, but just some perspectives from my role on the buyer side, kind of our journey, what we've been through. So today I have three things I want to cover. I'm going to first start with my story, my why, why I do what I do. I think probably a lot of you can resonate with it. I'm going to tell you three things about myself and then that help drive what I do. And one thing that only two people in the world know, and I'll save that for the end just to make sure that you uh, don't lose interest in my talk. And then I'm going to share some of HP's story and our goals, where we are, and some unique projects that we've done that I think you hopefully you'll find interesting. And then I'll end with a few things that I wish I'd learned many, many years ago. So I like to start with this slide, just kind of an eye-opener, and I'm sure a lot of it resonates with you guys in the audience, and and this is truly why we're here. This is from COP26. What really um, gets me emotional is the people behind the sign are young people. This is Gen Z or past Gen Z, and so you could see, obviously, they care about this, and this is what all of us are here to do and make the planet a good, sustainable place for all of them and their future. So a lot of those stats probably look familiar, but for us, it's definitely a wake-up call, and I'm excited that we're all here because of this. So when I think about the three things about me that really drive me in this business is that I'm passionate, I'm ambitious, and I'm hopeful. And when I say passionate, my kids would probably say I'm a zealot. The reason is that I want to live my values, and sustainability is absolutely how I try and 
role model for, for my own kids, but I don't keep it a secret. And so if I'm in a situation where I, I feel like I can help educate people on what they can do differently, I, I tend to be pretty vocal about that, which makes my kids crazy, <laughs> but it's who I am. I'm ambitious. I, I like to set big goals, and I'm sure Jacob would attest to that. I think incremental goals are not worth trying for, and so we'll show you some of those ambitious goals, but, but I definitely think that's the direction to go. And then finally, I'm hopeful. I think the reason that all of us are here is to make big changes, and, and you see a COP26. I mean, a lot of us would have liked to see more progress, but, but we're hopeful. Awesome to hear what a great year 2020 was, even during COVID. People are spending money on important things, and so that absolutely makes me hopeful. So a couple photos about me. I'm definitely not a gymnast, but this is me on the beach, so don't judge me on my form. But my cousin and I have a contest that we take cartwheel photos wherever we go. But I live near the beach, and I live in Santa Cruz, Northern California, and I, I'm on the board of directors for an organization called Save Our Shores. And our mission is to restore habitats and make our ocean and, and Monterey Bay as healthy as possible. So I spend a lot of my time here and giving back in terms of beach and, and ocean health. These are my three kids. These guys drive me. One of them was supposed to be here today. He's definitely running late. <laughs> but the, the one on the right-hand side is a college student, and he goes to college nearby. So John invited him to come this morning. But absolutely, these guys, you know, are what I'm here for. And this is probably what drives a lot of us. I've had a lot of great conversations this last night about people and their children. And then finally, this is my partner. And we like to take on new adventures. This is on a roller coaster at the boardwalk. It's the oldest roller coaster. If you guys ever get to Santa Cruz, you got to do it. It's an all-wooden roller coaster. And so I think for all of us in this industry, you have to be up for the adventure. You have to be open-minded and want to try new things. And I'm excited about the innovation that's going to come from here. We know that what got us to this point is not what's going to get us to the future. And so I think all of us have to think innovatively and creatively and, and want to take on some new exciting challenges. So those are the three things about me. I'm sure a lot of it resonates with you, but hopefully it does. I'll now shift to HP's story. So Earth Day of 2021, we set our new 2030 vision. And that vision is to make HP the most sustainable and just technology company. And from my perspective, I might be a little biased, but I would say we're well on our way to achieving that. We were just announced for the third year in a row by Newsweek to be the most responsible company in the industry. And so that's across all sectors. And that's the third year in a row. And we really think what's getting us there is, one, we, we do set ambitious goals. But two, we're very transparent. And a lot of that is about the data. We talked about scope three. We're very transparent about our data. We know we've got a long way to go, but we feel that that's really important when we think about what's, what's just. And we do think about in climate change and climate action, being just in how we go about doing that is, is going to be super important. So these are the three pillars that HP has established, planet, people, and community. Climate action is the pillar that my team in corporate real estate is focused on. So driving towards a net zero, fully regenerative economy while creating the industry's most 
sustainable portfolio of technology, services, and solutions. So all of my organization, we focus on climate action. HP absolutely has a huge stake in human rights and digital equity. We think those three areas across all of our value chain are the most important areas for HP to make impact. So in climate action, HP has three pillars that are measurable and material for us. And the first is carbon emissions, the second is forests, and the third is circularity. So all three of these are inextricably linked. They all have to do with carbon emissions, but these are the three key areas for us. And so under carbon emissions, we've created this stair step of how we're going to get to here, where we are in 2021, to 2040. Our goal by 2040 is to be net zero across our whole value chain. So that's scope one, two, and three. But for our team and for what Jacob and I have established our goal is by 2025 to be carbon neutral in our operations and to get to 100% renewable electricity. So I think it was similar to what Brian said yesterday. Big challenges there. A lot of countries that we operate in, we're in over 60 countries around the world, don't have a renewable energy market. And so I'll speak to that and love to hear ideas from you guys if any of you know opportunities in these markets. And then within the corporate real estate organization, we focus on these four pillars. So energy is the one we're here to talk about today. There's, there's our goal, there's our progress, 53%. What I think is has been exciting to me on the carbon emission goal we were able to finance a new loan. So working with our treasury organization, we got more favorable terms in the loan that we received, a revolver loan based on our goals and our progress. And so it's awesome to connect the work we're doing in in carbon emissions to benefit treasury and HP's finance. We also issued our first green bond this year and, and got great results, better than we were expecting. So it's definitely something that we'll be doing again in the future. Water for us is really material. Of our 10 biggest sites, most consuming sites, nine are in high-risk areas. And so when you think about water, water is essential for life. And so we want to make sure all of the communities that we operate in, that we're leaving the smallest footprint, we're extracting the fewest resources we can possibly. So we do spend investment dollars here, and we think that's going to be critical going forward. And then waste is a new goal that we set on Earth Day as well. So we established the goal to get to zero waste to landfill by 2025. And so that's for all of our sites that we manage around the world. This too is a heady challenge. There's a lot of countries we're in where, or even cities in the U.S., where composting is not available, where single-use plastic is really prevalent. So we're doing a lot of work with our supply chain on materials and in our R&D and manufacturing. But What's interesting, some of the most complex waste streams are actually in your office space. And COVID did not help that. The plastics industry did great during COVID. You know, they pushed plastics on all of us. And so that's something we're going to have to fight back. And then green buildings is hugely important to us. So we've established goals around uh, lead gold for all of our new sites. Jacob is leading our EV work and EV infrastructure. And HP has set a goal to get to all electric fleet by 2030. And so all of our buildings, we are now ramping up to make sure that we have the infrastructure in place as well. So this is our our three points to our strategy to get to 2025, 100% renewable electricity, more additionality. So for us, we do, we are heavily reliant right now on unbundled recs, and we want to move away from that. 
So we are very actively looking for projects. We're about to issue a VPPA RFP um, in the U.S. We have a significant one hopefully going in Malaysia. But this is a a shift for us. And so we have gotten buy-in that that we're ready to go this direction, and we're very excited to go towards more additionality. We're going to target our highest carbon sites. Unfortunately, these sites are where there's a lot of challenge getting projects up, but we know we want to maximize impact. And so we've done some analysis to make sure that we're really targeting the most impactful sites. And then finally, like I said earlier, taking on our most challenging markets. So five markets right now that we're looking at that we're really limited. Singapore, definitely landlocked there. A lot of demand, a lot of tech companies there that all want the same land space for renewables. So Singapore's tough. Korea, we have a brand new site in Korea. We are working on some potential there, but that that's a tough one. Israel, we're talking to Intel potentially as uh, they're part of our scope three, but Israel's another country where we're challenged there. India. And then Brazil is a new market for us that has just come up recently that that we're looking for potential projects as well. So if any of you know anything going on in those countries, we'd love to hear from you. So now I'm going to end with three of kind of interesting projects. And they're not interesting by scale by any means. So, So please don't get turned off by the scale of these projects. But I just want to give you a story behind each. And, and each of them is a little unique and gives a different perspective from a, from a buyer's point of view, why these projects were important to us. So for the first one is Barcelona. Barcelona's our headquarters for our EMEA business. It's a large campus for us. We're, we've been there for at least 20 years. We're not leaving. But Barcelona is currently fed by hydro, and so is the energy supply. So we all know hydro is not <laughs> the best source of energy, and with water issues, we should be moving away from hydro. But when we do our footprint, we get credit for that as green energy. So Barcelona site was pretty low in terms of priorities compared to a lot of our other sites. But we have a very strong youth employee network there that would not give up. They would not leave us alone. They wanted solar on the site, and they started calling the vendors themselves and not going through us. So we had to quickly catch up and say, wow, wait a minute, Like, let's reevaluate this. And so we did run an RFP. It proved out to be very beneficial, and we're covering our entire campus on site with solar. And for us, that employee engagement is so key, like I'm sure for all of you. But we were looking at it from a a high level and not thinking really locally and regionally. And so getting in touch with those local employees, I think, was, was a good learning for us. Penang, Malaysia, we have a manufacturing site in Penang. We have... We're there for the long term. Challenge, though, it's very carbon intensive. And this this was a project that we identified that we had moved from Ireland to Penang. Ireland, we were on green energy, moved to Penang. You know, our carbon footprint changed dramatically. But we were able to do a project where we're going to cover all the roofs. And then we said, wait a minute, let's look at parking structures. Parking structures obviously add a lot of cost to your project. But we really pushed it through, and the employees are really excited because this is a benefit to them. You know, if you're in a climate like that and you can actually have covered parking, you know, it seems insignificant in some ways, but but when you're living in a day-to-day, this is going to be a huge benefit for them. So we're excited about that. And then finally, Corvallis, Oregon. I don't know if any of you guys are in Oregon, but energy is super cheap. It's hard to pencil out a renewable energy project there. 
So we've looked at it for a long time, kept coming back to it, trying to work with utility on different options. And every time we did, it just didn't pencil out. But a few years ago, we were here at Smart Energy Decisions. So it was obviously before COVID. And we met with Engie and Engie said, hey, we might have a grant that we can do in the state of Oregon. And it was a long shot, but we worked with them and we got the grant and we were able to bring down the PPA price so that it's parity with what we're paying for brown energy. So it's a small project, really small, but we're excited because (laughs) this is a very large consuming site for us. And so we know we're going to stay after it and not give up. But working in a creative way with NG was something that just came out of nowhere. And it really was a result of these conversations. So, so that was an exciting one for us. So before I move on, I just wanted to talk about really five learnings from, from all of these projects that I think have really changed my outlook in, in the renewable energy industry. The first, from a buyer's perspective, is that all terms are negotiable. So maybe on the supplier side, they might not want to talk about that. But I really think that, you know, we've had a lot of experience, a lot of opportunity to negotiate with vendors. I know it's a seller's market, completely get that. But from the buyer's perspective, I think making sure that the terms that you absolutely care about, and for us, they might be different than Microsoft and and Google. And so the terms that are super important to you, you've got to hold on to and really try not to let go of those. The second is to make sure you're looking at every stakeholder. Like I said, you know, our employee stakeholder group was was a new group that at the local level that we hadn't evaluated. But we also have, you know, investor stakeholders that are pushing us like crazy, customer stakeholders that we talk to as often as we can, the community stakeholders. There's a lot of projects right now going on that, that they're considering the impact on the local community. So considering all those stakeholders is really important. Third is metrics, making sure that you're really evaluating all the metrics that are important. We all look at the business case, for example. That's a no-brainer. But when we think about the real estate strategy, how long are we going to be in this location, in this country? We're not a data center company, so we can't come in and drop a huge load and then have that kind of influence like that. But for us, you know, working with our local government officials, understanding what's coming, what's coming from the utility is super important. And then the fifth one, I would say, just never give up. Never take no for an answer. We had a very large VPPA when I first came to HP five years ago that we were ready to go to market with. And the team had spent almost a year on it and, and the CFO just shut it down. And now we're back. And we're coming back again with different leaders, but also a different strategy on risk. And so I would always, you know, end with that advice. I know these projects are long, they're hard, they're grueling, they're super complicated, but just never give up. And so that leads to my final slide. I love this quote, hope doesn't come from words, hope only comes from actions. And we all know Greta and, you know, she says it best, no more blah, blah, blah. I think we all have to do everything we're doing and more to make the change that's needed. So this is another uh, from my agile training. Think big, start small and act now. And we're all here to do that. So like I said at the beginning, there's one thing I was going to share. This is about me that only a couple people know. And my son just arrived, I think. So he's one of the two people that knows this. But my first day at HP, and it's a renewable energy story. My first day at HP, I had come from a consulting background and I had worked with a lot of utilities 
and realized how many customers didn't take the opportunity to understand what one incentives were available through their utility or partnering with their utility to come up with unique, innovative incentives. And so my first day on the job, I met in Palo Alto with our local Palo Alto, city Palo Alto utility company. So they're small, small utility, but we started talking about energy efficiency rebates and free audits and those kind of things. And at the end of the conversation, they said, you know, we have this feed-in tariff opportunity for renewables, and we're going to shut it down in a couple months. And so there's a very limited time to get in on this incentive. And I knew feed-in tariffs in Europe had been kind of come and gone And there really weren't any other opportunities that I could see in our portfolio for a feed-in tariff. So we jumped on it, and we had to negotiate pretty quickly with our executives to get that in. But HP is on Stanford property. And for those of you that know anything about Stanford University, they're super challenging to deal with as a landlord. They do want to do the right thing, but of course it has to be the right thing for Stanford. So lengthy negotiation, but that started on day one of my new job at HP. And Stanford and HP are super intertwined. Their history is intertwined. It's a very iconic location for us. We've been there for almost 80 years. And unlike the headlines, HP is not relocating to Texas. Our headquarters are staying there, and so it's our founder's site. So if you ever want to come see the founder's office, it still looks like it did back in the 70s. But anyway, we jumped on this project. We're able to do it, but it took three years to get this on-site project put together and to get it flipped on. So it was an on-site project. It doesn't seem like it should have taken that long, but it did. And, and we faced a lot of hurdles to get there. But it's one of my most proudest moments, just because it's a really important site to HP. So when I die, which hopefully won't be for a very long time, I've decided that I want my ashes there. So I've only told two people that, my son and my partner, and all of you now know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of concrete. They might have to dig a little hole, but I'm good with that. So anyway, that's my ending. I'm glad my son was here to hear it. If any of you need an intern this summer, he's available. <laughs> but thank you guys very much. Best of luck. <laughs> We'd like to thank Mary Curtis once again for this inspiring keynote presentation at our recent Renewable Energy Forum. We wish her the best of luck as she moves on to her broader role at HP. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for joining us on the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in every episode of this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. 
Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. Thank you.